Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Shiraz Gorman. She is a poet, storyteller, award-winning advertiser, copywriter, TEDx speaker, traveler, mentor, and lover of music and scotch. Hello, Shiraz. Hello. How are you? I am excellent. Thank well, you. I'm excited to see you again because you have actually been on the TEDx stage before. Yes. And you are going to be on our TEDx stage again yes. doing your lovely spoken poetry. Yes. Making us think. Right? Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we're supposed yeah. to all be thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so tell me, tell me about the whole world of spoken poems, of spoken poetry. Tell oh, me about wow. It. That is a long history. Um, we're going all the way back to Shakespeare on that one. Uh, there you go. Well, <laughs> yeah. he was a good guy, you yeah. know. <laughs> or arguably a woman. Um, that That is still up for debate. Really? No, I didn't know this debate. Yeah. Yeah, there is a debate to say, was Shakespeare really, you know, a man? So it might have been Wilhelmina? Shakespeare? <laughs> we never know. <laughs> you know? Mm, interesting. So, yeah, but when we go back to the origins of spoken word, um, that's that's a, a, a very long, long tale of history. We're talking about the continent of Africa, you know, with different tribes that had their chants um, and looking at ancient Greece um, and Rome, you know, just with the different poems and stuff and lyrics. So, yeah, Have it's just not a contemporary. Have you read these? Well, I, mean, you know, I, mean, you, I mean, this is, it's interesting to me that mm-hmm. you, you were like, hey, I'm going to do this. It was like, you've actually gone and looked at the history of it. Well, actually, you get introduced to it in school. I mean, it's unavoidable. I mean, Shakespeare is mandatory. Right, exactly. You know? But I don't think I ever looked at Shakespeare and said, you know, this is, like, I never thought of it as what I think of what you do. Mm. I don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's different. It's a different form in a sense, maybe in a more um, now kind of form that you do. Yeah. But I just don't think that I've equated the two. So, I'm interested. Give me, give me my equal sign there. Yeah, because <laughs> when I look at spoken word, I think of performance. Okay. You know, it's versus reading, you know, and I do actually I do that more often. It's like I have my book with me. Um, I have my paper with me because, you know, my memory isn't what it used to be. And it's and not <laughs> ah, only welcome that. to this world. This is yeah. me too. I totally get it. <laughs> well, you know, I take that back. I think it's that I don't have the time anymore to really like when I was younger, I had time to be with my work and to be with other poets and to rehearse my work and it's just like life is so much different closer to four, it's closer to 40, you know? Yeah, it's right. like, whoa, you know, so the performative aspect is still there. And you know what, for me, I've always, I've always realized that my work is performative in the sense is that I let the poem take me over. Um, it, it's almost like a possession, you know, God, hey, yeah. no, no fear to all my Catholics out there, <laughs> you know, it's like, we don't have to do an exorcism or anything not today. Have to okay, carry holy not water on my with you. Yeah. <laughs> please do not bring any holy water to, <laughs> to the TEDx to talks. <laughs> Bathe <Please>. her. <laughs> right. You know, she's possessed, you know, but it is, but possession is actually a, 
it is a positive thing. You know, it, it allows energy to flow through me as a vessel because that's how I see myself. I oh, am a cool. vessel. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, it, it's like the words have a life of their own. Yes. Yes. And you're and you are allowing them to, you know, come from you. That that you're allowing that life to spring forward. Yes. I love that idea. Oh, thank that you. That says a lot. I mean, so it, you know, because you hear authors talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're like, "Why did you make the character? Why didn't they're like, I just the character did it?" Mm-hmm. So you wonder, it, I mean, it's kind of like we're like mini gods creating our own little you know, society sometimes. Yeah, you know, one of my my favorite authors, Alice Walker, um, has this beautiful talk where she talks about how the characters in The Color Purple came to her. Right. You know, and it's just so beautiful to, like, see her talk about how Celie and Sophia and Mr. would, like, pop into her head and she would have to write this dialogue out, which... You know, quite honestly, if you subscribe to the thought that we are spirit beings here having a human experience. And I do. (laughs) Yeah. That means that, you know, all of this energy is always coming to us. And some of the stuff we can't see, we can't explain. Quite honestly, some poems come to me and I have no idea where they came from. Yeah. I, and I, to me, that says a lot, a lot about being in touch with, mm-hmm. I mean, and being in a place of awareness. Uh, yeah, Travis Masati, who's also one of our TEDx, and he's a, mm-hmm. he's one of our TEDx speakers, and, and he is a poet, and he talked about that, of that whole idea of, of awareness, that poets have a lot of awareness. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very tuned in to even mundane tasks yeah. at times. You know, you're looking at someone... You know, I would say, oh, they're drinking a glass of water. I bet you would say it in a very much more eloquent way than I would being a poet. Well, it depends on that person's body language, depends on where they're drinking the water at. You know, one of the things that I love about being a poet is that we bear witness. Ooh. We absorb, you know, and it's just beautiful to observe everything that is taking place, not just that one singular motion you right. know like the the drinking of water it's like was that person running from something you know right is that person extremely nervous what's in that water what does that water symbolize you know so for me being a poet is it's about actually observing everything that's taking place before me and and actually sitting with it you know far too often i think you know, all writers, we kind of get caught up in this whole thing of I need to write and I need to write now. Right. You know, I'm one of those writers where I do not have a set time on when I write. I do realize that um, when the world is quiet, when everything goes quiet, that's when I'm I'm able to, to translate what's being given to me um, and I'm able to write it down. The moment it actually stops is when I overthink, oh, um, and when it. I when I try to capture something versus me allowing it to actually come to me. Do you sometimes feel, you know, when we this whole election that just happened? I mean, I mm-hmm. felt like 
everything was so noisy and confusing. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to stay in what I call my happy bubble. You know, I, mm. I was like, I just feel bombarded by so much stuff. It, I, I felt like I couldn't hear myself think, mm. you know, and, and I, I'm very, I keep awareness on that. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I've got, I got to get into, you know, a space mm-hmm. that I'm away from all this because it felt overwhelming. Mm. I mean, do you, do you feel that way with the world sometimes? Yeah, at times I do. Um, however, I have been able to find stillness. You know, I think that we underestimate the power of being present. Mm-hmm. And we underestimate the power of silence. Um, and to just be with ourselves. You know, so of course, I I I have felt and I, I think that's that's one of the other caveats about being a writer and a poet in particular um, is that when we feel the weight we feel it right and we have to write it or it will chip away as something very precious inside of us um, that's why I feel like it's important to teach children poetry at a very young age um, not only for presentation purposes you know it's a kind of break that insecurity that children have on speaking and speaking in front of people that they don't know. Right. But also to reinforce the the importance of memorization and that whole bit. Um, because it is kind of cool if a, a child just kind of breaks into a poem and it's like, wow, that is awesome. And, you know, poetry is actually a great tool for critical thinking as well. Oh, yeah. You know, to get children to really think through, what did that mean? What did, you know, what do you feel like that was saying you know how did it make you feel how do you think it would make other people feel but I think it's you know outside of all of that it is important to teach our children poetry to bear witness I love to be it. still I love it and to assess and not to feel this rush you know to respond I think that's where all the noise comes from recently is that as a society and as a world um, we don't pause anymore we don't listen anymore we prepare right right you know? we're reacting. Like, we react we yeah. react we don't yeah. yeah yeah and it's just like and 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 you know i i dare to even challenge that we react anymore we're in attack mode you know uh-huh. from what i've seen it's like everybody is defensive everybody's adrenal gland is like in overdrive um and that's a dangerous place to be because if you are not taking time to actually be with the information that you are receiving if you don't take time to be with your own thoughts for me that's a recipe for disaster um and you know here we are I couldn't agree more and I hope that every politician out there is listening to these words right now (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back with Shiraz Gorman. Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and I'm the owner of 100th Monkey Media. 100th Monkey Media specializes in affordable and very effective social media solutions for the small to medium-sized business. Our goal is to create a social media presence that shows off who you are, what you do, and delivers brand loyalty and raving fans. Contact us today to learn what 100th Monkey Media can do for you. 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or 100thmm.com. 
And we are back with Shiraz Gorman. So you are going to be gracing our TEDx stage again. Yes. Which I'm very excited about. And um, I mean, so for you, it's a little bit different because you know most of our speakers they're working with a facilitator, and but for you, it's 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 you're going to be presenting art for yes. us. So you've been working on that. Yes. You don't have to reveal anything, but do you want to give us maybe a little tiny tidbit or idea? Yeah, it is. It is part art, part talk. Mm-hmm. Um. And what I hope to do is to open people's eyes to a population of people um, that they may have not may have not considered, um, and they may be themselves, but never revealed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ooh, without, I can't wait. <laughs> without without giving it away, um, it is touching on a very serious subject. Um, in regards to mental and emotional health. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yes. That will be, a, so, and, and it's so, you know, it's interesting to me, the whole idea of um, emotion and, men, you know, having that balance in mm-hmm. your life. Uh, I have a teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. So guess where emotions are right now. Yes, you know there are. It's, it's it's. I have a teenage niece. Okay, so they're all we over need to the hug place. each other. Yeah, yes. they're all <laughs> over the place, and so I've been working with her talking about awareness mm-hmm. and saying, you know, right now you are in a in a weird place. You're in that place of I just want to go have fun. I just want to hang out with my friends. I just, you know, I'm a teenager. I just want to go have fun, but at the same time, you're realizing. I have responsibilities. I have to make good grades so that I can get into the college of my choice. Oh, I have all these, you know, commitments to these these sports that I do. And I think that, the, you know, and then there's all these changes going on with mm-hmm. everything in my world. I think it's a tough part, tough thing for teenagers to be in. And, I, and I, I, I've talked to her about being aware of where you are right now. Like don't, because some teenagers are going to just take it and go do a bunch of stupid stuff with it, mm-hmm. you know, not my choice for her. Yeah. Um, but you could be one of the teenagers that are are being aware of where I'm at right now and, mm-hmm. and using this to catapult you into the next part of your life. Yeah. You know, that this could really, this right now and how you handle things can help you. Yes. And, you know, a neuroscientist may be able to answer this better. However, the human brain is not fully developed, right? Yes, right, <laughs> so, right. Not at that age, no. No. So, you know, I always take that into consideration. I know that sounds weird, right? It's like when I look at my niece and she's 16, I'm like, okay, I get it. The brain is still like doing its thing. So I have to have patience and I have to have compassion and I have to remember, I have to re-remember myself at that age. Exactly. And what would I have appreciated somebody saying um, or doing for me or, you know, not appreciate it? You know, I, I always do a checks and balance yes. with myself when I communicate with my niece and when I operate with her. Um because it, it is that thing sometimes. And I, I think that's why we continue to go through this cycle as a society of demonizing our youth is because we forget. We don't remember. Um, and we don't know simple brain science to say that, 
yeah, this person is probably behaving that way because of X, Y, and Z factor. Right. Um, But that also goes back into us being a less compassionate society. Well, and I think there's a fear of, I I think that the that older people, generally speaking, are fearful. And what are you going to do with this world? When I'm mm. thinking, look, we didn't do the best job, so let's not go. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and you hear about the millennials, right? Mm. And 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 I always think, but I love what the millennials are doing. I think mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I I very much trust what the millennials are doing and the way that they're going with things. Yeah. And yet you've got this. Some people are like, oh, their head is always in their phone. And you know, I'm like, yeah, but they are so very connected. Just because their head is in their phone doesn't mean they don't know how to talk to you. You well, know, that, you know, and that is that is an interesting bit because there are so many layers even in that discussion. It's like, okay, but who is the parent of the millennial? Uh, yeah, right. You cannot address the leaf unless you take a look at the root. I love it. So, yeah, right. You Root know, it up. <laughs> yeah. So I always say, okay, criticism of millennials, like, look, let's look at parenting. How have parenting styles changed? Right. You know, because when I was growing up, my mother and father made it very clear, I am your parent. I am not your friend. Exactly. I am a person to be respected. And these are the rules that are being laid out. Point blank. Period. (laughs) And there's a reason for these rules. Right. And my parents, you know, I remember walking to the store, you know, at seven, eight years old and being trusted with money and being trusted with a little list of stuff to go get, you know, or being trusted to walk other cousins, you know, to the bus stop or something like that. Um I think the term is helicopter parenting. Oh, yeah, right. You know, where we have parents that hover and, you know, I get it. You know, I get the impulse. The world is a scary place. We know. And that's even a fallacy. I mean, like, let's be for real. If we want to look at FBI statistics. Right. You know, it's like, no. We just know it now. Right. I think it was more hidden at some point. Now we just know it. And it's like, you know, violent crime has gone down significantly you know, as far as national rates are concerned. That's why I tell people, you know, need to read up. Um, and after you read up, don't let cognitive dissonance <laughs> set in. That That's dangerous, right? you know. Um, however, when, when looking at helicopter parenting, it's just like that is, that's damaging. It is. You know, and then, you know, this whole sense of entitlement type situation. And it's like, but where did that behavior get set up who put that phone in that child's hand who did not set boundaries right you know for that child you know and you know thankfully i've had the opportunity to work with people who are you know in that category of of being a millennial um i myself am on the cusp of the gen x millennial flip Gotcha. You know, so... Yeah, because it's not really well-defined, is it? The years no, are not really well-defined. No, defined. they're not yeah. really well-defined. I think everybody's just trying, you know, behavioral sciences, depending on what market you want to <laughs> actually engage in. Everybody's just trying to, like, you know, assign different things to say, this is who they are, and this is what they like, and this is what they do. And it's just like, nothing in human behavior is fixed. Like, what are you talking about? And don't you also think it's really fluid nowadays? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it has more to do with a mindset than your age. 
I mean, I feel like the demographics are getting all kind of, you know, we're kind of tossing them up because it's kind of like it doesn't have to do with the demographics necessarily as the way you view the world, Mm -hmm. what you're attracted to. I mean, I almost feel like we're coming more into our own. Yeah, it's about access and what you get introduced to. You know, I I have met kids, right? 14, 15-year-old kids who know Earth, Wind, and Fire's catalog right? because of YouTube. Yes, exactly. You know, and it's just like, you wouldn't think that, right? No. You know, unless, oh, your parents introduced you to this or, you know, something like that. It's like, no, these kids are like getting into like Stax records and different artists like that. And I'm one of those people I like reading like YouTube comments, especially under music. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> because a lot of kids are like, why isn't this on the radio now? Why are we being introduced to this? So for me, it is fascinating to see what we offer people, what we say that young people are into and what we push down their throats within the context of pop culture. But on the comments section of a lot of stuff that is considered, quote unquote, old school, right. these kids are actually speaking out and they are actually engaging in that content. So it, you do bring up an interesting point about us coming more into ourselves. However, for me, it is a matter of access. Right. That and, makes complete sense. Yeah. And what you get introduced to and technology has opened up, you know, so many different worlds, you know, to people. And it's 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 awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Shiraz and some questions. This is Mickey Hancock. Now's a good time to get a snack. My mom's going to do another commercial. If you're looking for an agency to help you with creating and publishing engaging content, launching campaigns, or reputation management, 100th Monkey Media is the social media agency for you. Make your business successful with its social media and get a real return from your investment. 100th Monkey Media is far more affordable than you may think, and we make it easy and impactful. Learn how 100th Monkey Media can help you on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and more. Contact us at 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. And we are back with Shiraz Gorman, and I have questions for you, dear. All righty. So... Do you recall or remember when you felt like I have found my voice? I have found the voice I'm going to present to the world. Wow. Yeah. Was it a specific poem or? Wow. Yeah. Just a thought like, like, ah, this is me. Yeah. And actually it was a very interesting place. It was at the High Point Cafe on a Monday night, traditionally a hip-hop night. This probably had to be 2001, 2000, 2001. Um, And I'm like, you know, in certain parts of the hip-hop community here in St. Louis, I'm like the little sister. Um, At the time, I was a photographer, and I would cover the hip-hop scene. And... That night, on Monday nights, um, it was an open mic hip-hop night. And there was this one rapper who just kept getting under my skin. Um, And 
Finster and Luke Mon were the host of that night. And I went to them and I said, I want to get on stage. I'm a poet. And I was like, this is a battle rap environment, but I, I want to get on stage. Lukman said, all right, but you have to memorize everything. You can't come up here with paper. Ooh. The next week, I came up and I performed a poem um, titled Cotton Candy on a Rainy Day, which was originally written by Nikki Giovanni. But I, my version was Cotton Candy on a Rainy Day, Lost Nation. And I went after not only this one particular MC, but um, for me, anybody who was speaking um, about certain subject matters. And when I got off stage, the one guy... Who, and I didn't, you know, I didn't say his name while I was on stage, but he was the first person waiting for me when I got off stage. And he was like, gave you that. He was like, thank you, sister. And I was like, whoa. Wow. And I just remember at that moment where I was like, there is no turning back. I just got on stage at the High Point Cafe on a Monday night and pretty much just put a lot of like MCs on notice. Like poets will come for you. We will come for you on your stage. And that that was the moment for me where I was like, okay, this is this is where it is. I found my voice. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I describe you to people as fierce. I'm like, oh, wow. she is She is a tiny little person <laughs> physically, but she is fierce. Make, make, I, I absolutely mean that. You are a fierce. You thank know, you're, you. You're, I love it. Oh, thank you. That's a great story. I love that. Thank you. Um Okay, so is th- so you've collaborated before with other artists. Is there yes. any? Do you have a dream collaboration? Is there a person or a, a musician or another human being you would just love to collaborate with? Oh God, yes, <laughs> Kendrick Lamar and Anderson Pack um, are two artists for me right now. And Solange would be my third person I would definitely love to collaborate and my fourth I know this is totally blue sky <laughs> he is my first though um Stevie Wonder oh cool yeah so if we want to look at the people who have touched me in my generation my contemporaries um definitely Anderson Peck um he has a a song on his album titled The Bird it's actually the first track on the Malibu album and I was like, this is a poem, you know, and Kendrick Lamar does the same thing because um, collaborating with jazz musicians, hands down, has to be one of my most favorite and freeing things. I just had the um, opportunity of being backed up by Daryl Mixon um, and Dwight Bosman. Oh, you, yeah. yeah. You want to talk about like. Okay, that just happened. Um, <laughs> in my one book anniversary show, um, Mo E, um, Jingo, Grover Stewart Jr., Sonyata McDermott, um, Saria Conway, Matt Wilson, 
you know, I I we had a band, you know, for that show. Right. Um, and actually Eric Snoopy Taylor, you know, on bass. So for me, when it comes to collaborating with musicians, that's that's just a natural fit for me because I don't know if a lot of people know. And I, I do talk about this all, all openly and often is that I became a poet because of liner notes. Like my mom, my dad, my uncles, um, crazy vinyl collections. Oh, fun. so when I was a kid, you know, I would be reading one. It was like I loved the songs in the key of life and music aquarium because the texture, you know, of the album, the you know, that the albums came in, uh-huh. the cover art. And I would start writing. You know, I would listen to music and then I would write. So for me, it's just a natural, it's a natural thing for me to collaborate with musicians the way that I do. Um, But when it comes to the different hip hop artists who are out and just artists, period, because Solange, you can't put her into a musical genre. Right. Um, You know, it's Anderson Pack either. You can't, you can't put. You know, you can't put that young man in. Which is the brilliance of what they did. Right. And Kendrick is just like the way that he, his phrasing, his phrasing is the phrasing of a jazz musician. You know, it's just like, and then his content is just like, okay, got it. But Stevie Wonder's my ultimate. He's, he is the one. If I ever meet him, I'll just say, it's because of you, <laughs> him and Nikki Giovanni, right. you know, and she's one of those poets where you listen to her albums and the way she would just rock out with gospel choirs. It was just like in the way the singing complimented what she was saying, how it all just fit together. You know, that that gave me a foundation so. Well, I totally see it happening for you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> I'm you. I'm gonna call Stevie as soon as we're done. <laughs> Stevie, it's Mish. Hey, um, and so and you are a lover of of music. Yes, you know which you, but you're also a lover of Scotch, which brings me to my next question. <laughs> yes. Do you want a shot? No. Um, do, <laughs> my question is: So, have you ever like what is your favorite Scotch, or what is the Scotch like of your dreams that you will one day drink? Oh wow. Hmm. <laughs> There was a Japanese scotch, um, and it is totally slipping my mind. When I lived in Dallas, there is this, um, we used to call it the Black Cheers. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, you know, and the bar is just amazing. Um, oh, Lord, and it's slipping my mind right now. It's too, oh, gosh. Um, Cedar, Cedar Social. Um owned by an ex-football player and it was and is like the black cheers it's like everybody knows their name everybody knows exact, your name and Very knows cool. what you like and then because he has mixologists he just he doesn't have bartenders at gotcha. cedars um and it was also about hey i know what you like so let me have you try this cool. um and he broke out this japanese scotch on me because I'm I'm actually I like Lafroig sometimes, but not not when it gets too too smoky. 
Um, I would definitely say my favorite scotch, hands down, is Belvini, the Caribbean cast, because I kind of like my scotches a little, you know, on the lighter side of things. Not If I want a cigar, I will smoke a cigar. I do gotcha. not... You need my scotch. <laughs> oh, Jesus, no. It's like, oh, what just happened to my life? Um, but, oh, God, I'm, I think it's Habiki. Okay. I believe that's the name. Of the scotch gods have come to me. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's named Habiki. One of the most beautiful scotches I've ever taken in. And it was just like, yeah, if I could just have like a case of that, <laughs> you know, at home and, you know, but some people have wine cellars. I right. want a scotch collection. I love it. You know, <laughs> I love it. I think it's very cool. I was like, ooh, scotch. It's so cool. It's so yeah. different to say. So thank you. Well, I am looking so forward to getting to see you again and hear you again on December 10th on our thank lovely stage. Thank you all for having me. And you know, we just love and adore you. Thank so thank you, you be, for being a part of our TEDx family. And thank you for bringing this experience to St. Louis. Oh, thank you. And being you. consistently good. Oh, I love you. I mean, you all, you all do a great job and it's a lot of hard work. It is, but we love it. Yeah. We are passionate about it. Well, thank you, Shiraz, thank so you. much. And thank you uh, to all of you out there. Please do subscribe to Mishmash on iTunes, and we will catch you all next time. <laughs>